What is up, you guys? And welcome back to another episode of Reluminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories. My name is John. And this is Jake. And today, I'm going to tell you a very tragic story. Pain can come on suddenly. After a long day of moving boxes from his old apartment to his new house, Peter needed a break. He sat down and soaked in the incredible view of the ocean from his new place. His back was hurting, and he wasn't sure if it was stress from work, the weight of his thousands of records, or the multiple boxes of musical instruments and old books he'd lugged up a long staircase. Peter stood to pour a drink, and a sudden sharp pain shot through his back. It was enough to double him over. He hadn't had serious back pain in years, but this was way different. He tried to stretch, but the electric zaps of pain dropped him to his knees. He was worried that he'd caused serious damage to his back, maybe torn a muscle or fractured a bone in his spinal cord. The pain wasn't subsiding, and he knew he had to see a professional. But Peter was in Honduras, and there was a language barrier. He popped a handful of Tylenol and headed off to the ER, hoping the pain relievers would kick in and make it an easier trip. When he showed up to the ER, he shared his story, and the local doctor told him he'd need rest and handed him a packet of Tylenol 3s, which are a mixture of codeine and acetaminophen. Peter popped those on top of the four 500-milligram extra-strength Tylenol he'd taken before getting to the hospital, and it did not work out well. Peter already had issues with his liver from years of heavy drinking, but the thousands of milligrams of acetaminophen in his belly took it too far. His liver shut down. He began bleeding internally, vomiting profusely, and convulsing. With no idea what was happening to him, the local Honduran clinic made him comfortable as his liver completely failed and he died from a fatal overdose of a very standard over-the-counter drug. Today on Berluminati, we're going to be talking about the dark world of acetaminophen, a perfectly legal over-the-counter drug that sends 50,000 people a year to the emergency room and more than 500 a year to their graves. But first, let's talk about some beer. So Jake, yes, what are you drinking? All right, so today I decided uh, because one, it's getting a little bit warmer outside, and two, uh, I should probably get out of my comfort zone of drinking uh, dark oil pan level stouts, <laughs> brown, right? Just just brown beers <laughs> that are you know higher in percentage. So I uh, I picked up a Casita Brewing Company's Double Bogey Dortmunder. Uh, which is uh, they're out of Wilson, North Carolina and a Dortmunder apparently, which I, I didn't know a lot about this bill beer before. It's a pale lager originally brewed by the Dortmunder Union in Dortmund, Germany. So it's kind of one of those things where like Bud Light is a Pilsner brewed by the ancient laws handed down by Germany. Yeah, it only contains the five secret ingredients handed down by the high command. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, it's one of those things. Okay, they called a soft texture beer influenced by the Pilsner lager brewed in Pilsen, which is where Pilsner comes from. Oh, okay, um, cool. It's okay. It's all right. It's yeah. uh, I'm not just disappointed because it's a little outside of my comfort zone. It's really just kind of a disappointing beer in general. There's not a lot to it. It's not very complex. Yeah, the taste is kind of reminiscent of 
I, I don't know how to explain it, but like a fresh Budweiser, I guess. Like, what? It's, yeah, like, you know, you get a really nice peach and that's a fresh peach and it's really good compared to a peach you get at like a gas station. Sure. So it's like a nicer peach, but like, you know, it's still just a peach. It's like a Bud, it's like a Budweiser. Okay. Um, but it's okay. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people like this beer. It comes in at about 6.4%. They've got like a really nice uh, uh, Frisbee golf little bit of graphic design thing going on. Yeah, this is your fun getting drunk on the Frisbee golf course beer. Yeah, I guess. but but it's you know it's a six point four. But I could be drinking a uh, Firestone Walker Mind Haze IPA. <laughs> you know, at the same time and enjoying that uh, same ABV. Yeah, I mean it's yeah it's at least within one point or somewhere. It's right in there. I think it might be exactly the same. Yeah. Um, I would be enjoying a Mind Haze a lot better than this. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's okay. And yeah. Casita, I like Casita. Casita's done a lot of cool stuff. They have a lot of weird beers that I really enjoy, and I'm sure we'll v- revisit them. You know, they're in Wilson, just down the street, near the uh, on halfway to the beach, where uh, I've gone before to disappointingly look at a couple cars. Yeah. Um. It's not the greatest town, but it's okay. Yeah, Wilson's not too far from here. <laughs> maybe thirty minutes east. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. out. It's out there. It's a place that yeah. you can go to. Yeah, it's, uh, it sucks, but yeah, it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. Frisbee golf, Budweiser. What are you? Uh, what are you drinking over there? I went a totally different route than my normal route. You did. I did. So I have the Sunday Feels Ale from Dogfish Head, and one of the things that's weird about this beer, while we were looking it up, is there's significantly more information about this beer on Dogfish Head's <laughs> website, right, than there is on the actual beer. It's like they Which came up with it later. Yeah, it's very frustrating yeah. and weird because I'm like, I saw this, I grabbed it at Harris Teeter as part of the like make a six pack thing. Oh yeah, okay. And it really does a terrible job of explaining what this beer is supposed to be on yes. the bottle. It's just like a brown amber glass bottle, and then it has a paper stick on label says Sunday feels has like a, a shark or something going on over there. Yeah, there's like some sharks, but then there's like a blow up pool okay. floaty thing in here with like ice and beers in it. I, I don't really know. So like beach time having a beer hanging out. Yeah, I mean, I think this is supposed to be intended as like a lighter summertimey beachy sure. pool Session-y. beer or whatever. Yeah, but it's six and a half percent. Okay, so I'm like, that's not that light. Yeah, <laughs> would you rather be enjoying a Mind Haze IPA by Firestone Walker? Trademark. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, actually, then this probably yeah. Yeah. Um, but what this says is it's an ale brewed with Wagner grape juice. I don't know that okay. word, so I'm just gonna if somebody knows, tell me. But whatever. Sure. Some kind of grape juice. Peaches, blood oranges, lemon, normal oranges. <laughs> normal. <laughs> oh, I guess as opposed to the blood oranges. Yeah, yeah there's blood yeah. orange, lemon, normal orange. You could just say oranges. You know, oranges. Like, like neurotypical oranges. Like just, just say orange. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. Typical oranges. And lime peel. Okay. Um and it says it's part of their off centered art series featuring okay. art from Ryan Bush. Sure. Besh. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that enthused with it. It smells <laughs> extremely ale Okay. You know what I mean? Like almost... Like, More ale than citrusy? 
Oh yeah. Oh, you yeah? know that okay. kind of like Boston lager stinky oh, yeah. yep. beer smell yep. where it's like when you think about, you know, stinky beer dudes from like <laughs> from like the sixties yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This smells like that. Okay. And it just tastes like meh. Okay. So on their website, they say that this is a laid back beer mosa sour brewed with peaches, grapes, and citrus inspired by everyone's favorite fruit forward brunch libation, the mimosa, the Bellini, and the screwdriver all at once. Yeah, they're doing way too much here (laughs) because this is not good. I mean, okay, okay. I have a couple basic questions. First of all, okay, the beach situation where they're blowing stuff up and they've got a cooler full of beer. Is that a place where you would drink a mimosa? No. Mimosa is like a brunch thing, right? Like you're not, I mean, maybe backyards. I could see a backyard mimosa, but like, I feel like Prosecco or bubbly or whatever you're going to put in that. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit too carbonated and it's going to make my tongue. It's going to make me sick. Make the tum tums upset. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It's like too bubbly. Yeah. Plus the orange juice, plus the alcohol. You yeah. know what I mean? With beer, it's like it's carbonated, but it's not that carbonated. Right, right. It's you big fat I bubbles. Mean? Yeah. 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 You know, dogfish head is interesting because they're kind of like the craft beer of the mainstream. You know, if you're going, if you live in like Jersey or like you live somewhere, I don't want to say normal, but if you just like live in some weird place and you're like, at a grocery store and you don't know anything about beer yeah, and you want to go grab a beer that's going to be out of this world and different because you kind of want to make a little bit of impression. You're going to grab that like dogfish 60 minute or 90 minute IPA or something else on the dogfish label because it looks different than Heineken. You know, you, I guess if you're coming from Bud Light, like if you're a beer normie, that's what I'm saying. Like you're just like oh, some okay. regular beer dude. It like it, when I'm walking around in the Harris Theater grocery store and I see the dude walking in front of the cart and they're old and the wife right. is pushing the cart and he just put like some Michelob Ultras in there yeah. and I'm carrying like two <laughs> six packs of some like super craft shit and I just right. look at him and like almost shake my head and yeah. judging. I'm just like. Get and, something better, bro. And at the same time, he's thinking. <laughs> at the same time, he's thinking, you're paying twelve ninety nine for four Sycamore Skittles. You know, rolling his eyes at you. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like, well, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I feel like that's kind of where Dogfish. I feel like that's where their place is in the hierarchy. If yeah. you have like Bud Stream, Bud as the ultimate mainstream. You know, Budweiser, Heineken. Whenever you go to like a TJ Fridays, and that's Bud what Light, they have on Miller draft. Light. Yeah, uh, like toss Yingling in there sometimes, depending on where you are in the U.S. I like Yingling. Yingling's great, but if you're in the n- Northeast, you're gonna have Yingling as like one of those options usually. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then you've got Heineken or whatever. Um, Blue Moon. You know, you've got those yeah. guys all in there. Yeah, that's the that's the that's Tues- the normies beer. That's the Ruby Tuesdays tap lineup. You know, yeah. <laughs> so if that's your that's Applebee's, you go right. to Applebee's. That's what they have. Yeah, exactly. Tap. If that's yeah. your experience of beer. When you go to the grocery store, you're going to see Dogfish Head with their art series labels and their kind of kooky, weird stuff. Yeah. And that's going to be 
craft beer for you and it's going to be a lower price point than Sycamore's Skittles or something. You know? Sure, yeah, yeah. Because you're getting a six pack for $10 versus or $12 depending on what it usually is, 10 bucks. Yeah. But then you look at like Skittles and it's like $12 for four of these. What are these people crazy? Yeah, but then they can't do math. It's four pints. Yeah, yeah. So but so like, at the end of the day, they're going to grab the dogfish head and be like, oh, I brought something cool and then they'll probably go to the party where and I hate being this guy, but like like <laughs> where, like the hipster guy where it's like they're going to show up at this party where everybody's drinking the Applebee's lineup. Yeah, and they're going to drop dogfish head and like three guys are immediately gonna be like, oh dope. What is this? And like they're going to pull out the and you know yeah. good on them. Like it's a marketplace. Sure. You know? I mean, I get not like the craft beer scene is blowing up, but not yeah. everybody out there is like super into yeah, it. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, it's it's a low amount. It's a low percentage of people that are jumping into this, you know, yeah, of the overall schema of people. You know? Yeah, I mean, I remember the very first legal beer anybody ever bought me was a duck rabbit milk stout. Oh, wow. That's a good introduction. I, I know. And I hated it because <laughs> all I'd had before then was like Bush and shit. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, league, I quote unquote legal beer. Yeah. I think that I, somebody I, bought I, think I spent the first like 10 years drinking like St. Ides and whatever steel reserve used to be called in the 90s. Yeah. You know, it, it just garbage. Horrible things. Yeah. You know? But then my next one was Blue Moon. Okay, which isn't a bad beer. It's all right. Yeah, I'll still drink still a blue moon. Yeah. You know, if I want, it needs to have a gigantic like it needs to have Just like a, a whole, whole orange, orange. <laughs> <laughs> in it. <laughs> Just a clementine crammed in the top so you can't even get any beer out. It's just like blocking the whole entrance. Yeah, and, and I don't hate it. And like I know people that, you know, they still are just like all I drink is bud or all I drink is course. Yeah, or whatever. And like that's totally fine. I'm not knocking those beers. I love to just like sit down on the porch of my wife's parents house and just be like, let's get fucked up on some course. <laughs> like I don't hate it at yeah. all. You know, it's just when we're talking about this show, we're talking about, yeah, you know, bougie shit. Yeah. Or something to come off a little bit. Sure. Pretentious. Or right. Whatever. Twirl like, your oh man, this dogfish head is so fucking, <laughs> you know, this is some lowbrow craft shit. <laughs> it's not bougie yeah. enough. I mean, we like I could come in here. I could come in here with a with a six pack of Bud Light, and we could sit here and talk about Bud Light for thirty minutes. But like, I mean, that honestly, that might be kind of cool to like go through the history of the biggest brewery in the world. Like, yeah, I don't know why not. Uh, no, I think it's a it's a thing. Um, yeah, especially now with Coors making that like throwback Coors with the original recipe and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, it's there's something there. It's the yeah. banquet beer. This is the part of the show where we back up and say we're not really hipsters. We actually do like the lesser stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty normal, but we like this stuff too. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so you were kind of like trying to tell me how scary this acetaminophen shit is before the show, and I was telling yes. you that I definitely take acetaminophen myself. You're like, I take a whole bottle every hour. No. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would be too much. Yeah. No, I mean, I t I take it here and there as I need it. You know what I mean? But I've always been pretty careful not to exceed yeah. the daily limit. My mom has always been yeah. big on that. She's like, don't exceed two thousand milligrams a day. Well, I know, I know you're in a very similar boat as me as you know, you grew up, you're playing hockey and doing these other things. You beat the crap out of your body. Yeah. Um, which I, I was skateboarding and racing mountain bikes and stuff and I did the same thing to mine. Yeah. And so I found myself in my early 20s just taking fistfuls of over the counter pain medication because my joints were thrashed, you know, and yeah, yeah. And you're in a similar, you're a similar point. And um, there were a couple of times in my 
kind of between 20 and 30 where I would talk to doctors about what was going on and they would be like, why don't you lay off about the acetaminophen, you know, be careful with it. And then um, when I was in college, a, a kid I knew died in the dorms and he actually died of a, a liver failure. And the issue that happened there was he had gotten really, really drunk the night before. Apparently he, he was an alcoholic. He was drinking very heavily his entire life since he was like 15 or something. But the night before he had drank several, I believe they described it as jugs of wine. And uh, oh, wow, I, I know he used to drink those Carlo Rossi gigantic things that are like one and a half gallons of wine. Yeah, um, negative. Yeah, and then I guess the next morning he woke up super hungover and just mouthed a, a handful of Tylenol, which yeah, you know, that'll do it. You yeah, know? Um, which is terrifying to me, you know, because yeah, it's very easy. Another side story. I mean, when I, when I was younger, I was really, really sick. I had the flu really bad and I took um, some Robitussin. This is before they put acetaminophen or Robitussin. I took, um, I don't know, probably a double dose. I just like drank some out of the bottle, fell asleep and I was very sick and I probably woke up. I thought it was like hours later, but I probably woke up 20 minutes later and took another dose. Oh and, my God. And all of a sudden I was like tripping balls. Yeah, and, and I was sick and tripping balls, and I didn't know what was going on. I was just like, "What's happening to me?" You know, right, I was, I was like fifteen. Yeah, um, and it's it's crazy how fast those kind of things can happen, like just over the counter drugs. And yeah, I mean that's kind of where we're going to go down specifically with acetaminophen and how I I believe it's dangerous as a as an over counter drug. Okay, so. The story we were talking about with Peter, uh, that that's absolutely not made up. And very sadly, it's not rare. Uh, Peter is uh, a good friend of mine, and he was one of my best friends in the world who I hung out with a lot. And his death was a very sudden and very scary thing. And it made me really think about the drugs that we put into our body on a daily basis. I started looking into acetaminophen and found that it's in just about every over-the-counter drug combination that you can find. It's in every cold and flu thing. It works as a, a, a fever reducer. It works as everything. And especially any of the ones that can get you a little bit high. Uh, and, you know, when I was a teenager, that was I was just talking about it kind of jokingly when I was sick. But when I was a teenager, people used to shoot bottles. It was called robo-tripping. People would take a whole bottle of robo-dozen, and then they would trip. It was like a very mild effect. And this was a super common thing in my high school. I mean, it happened all the time. And then years later, they put acetaminophen in that same Robitussin DM mixture. Yeah. And now if you take a whole bottle of Robitussin DM, you'll you'll go into liver failure. Yeah. Because the amount that's in there. Um, and you know, stupid scenario, but imagine if you're in a coma and you were this big robo tripping kid, you wake up 10 years later and you didn't know they put acetaminophen in it, you would die. Right. Rare scenario. But yeah. You know, sure. so um, the extra strength Robitussin contains around 650 milligrams of acetaminophen per 20 milliliter serving. There's usually between six and eight servings in a bottle, and that makes it between 3,900 to 5,200 milligrams of acetaminophen. Both are above the overdose level. Yeah, I think it's 4,000 a day or something. Yeah, roughly somewhere in there. Yeah, four. They say four to 10,000, which I think a big part is body weight uh, and how healthy your liver is. Yeah. So any more than basically three, you know, Tylenol is relatively safe when you take the recommended doses and you don't take it very often. 
In general, adults can take between 650 milligrams and 1,000 milligrams of acetaminophen every four to six hours. The FDA recommends that as an adult, you shouldn't take more than 3,000 milligrams. They lower, I, I just remember this, they lowered it a few years ago. 3,000 milligrams of acetaminophen per day unless directed by a healthcare professional. Okay. You know, I, I know even with my dog, when my dog had some leg issues, before they gave her anything that this thing that contained acetaminophen, they tested her liver. You know, they're not doing that with people, you know. Well, I think they do at your physical. Yeah, yeah. So, so your regular doctor would know that, you know. But yeah, if you walk up they to a pharmacist. They test your liver function and all that crap. Right. Yeah. But if you walk up to a pharmacist and you're like, hey, what should I take? And they're just like, oh, I don't know, fistfuls of acetaminophen. You know, I doubt they would say that. But like. Yeah, probably not. Because <laughs> I would hope not. You know, between your GP and your pharmacist. Right. Your GP is going to know more about what's going on with you, yes. your body chemistry, having seen the lab work and all that stuff. The pharmacist is going to know significantly more about the drugs themselves. Right. Right. You know? But also that breaks down if you have health insurance, if you have a general practitioner, you know, that you see often, if you see someone who does blood work, there's a lot of people in America, you know, probably a hundred million people that don't have that situation, you know? So for sure, which is an issue, you know? Um, so, and I was talking another time I was talking about is years ago, I had this severe flu and my girlfriend at the time got me a uh, packet of mucinix to like kill your cough. And I didn't realize that this one packet of mucinix had a thousand milligrams of acetaminophen. in it. This was when I was just becoming aware of this. You know? Yeah. Cause I don't think they put Tylenol or acetaminophen in mucinex. This anymore. was like cold and cough something mucinex. Oh, it was a special blend version. Yeah. It was like this thing. She, and so yeah, it's like the Excedrin migraine that they make where it has like right. Tylenol and Advil and, and caffeine, caffeine. Yeah, and exactly. like a couple other things. Yeah. yeah. Which was the original, which is what they used acetaminophen for originally. Yeah. So anyway, she gave me this and I put it in. I didn't look at what it is. She just handed me a glass with it in it. I drank it down. I'm sick as hell. My whole body's sore. I go to the bathroom. I pop two extra strength tunnel on top of that, not knowing what's going on. And I just took, you know, 2000 milligrams in 15 minutes. And right. already that's approaching a not a great level. Right. You know? And so if two hours later I woke up and was feeling crappy and I popped two more extra strength, I'm already at your limit for the day. And if I was an alcoholic or if I had other liver issues, I'm done for at that point, you know? So yeah, I'm just trying to illustrate like all the situations you can get into it. Yeah. This, like know? how easily you could, you know, mix something, which is one of the things I'm really careful with. And like my wife constantly asked me, she's like, remind me again, what can I take together? What can't I take together? Yeah, it's a and I'm deal. always like, all right, you can take this together. You cannot take that together. Right. And if I don't know, I'm like, let me see the bottle. Yeah. And I'll read everything and I'll be like, all right, you can't take this with that. Or you already took this earlier. You're going to have to yeah. wait. You know, I'll be really like careful with her to make sure and myself to make sure we space yeah. stuff out. And and you're a person who's very careful about those sort of things and thinks about that. And yeah. I wasn't until people in my life died, you know? Yeah. Like I even alternate yeah. drugs, you know what I mean? Like Smart. they'll say like if you have a cold or something like that, you can take Tylenol. You can take a thousand milligrams of Tylenol or they used to before they lowered it to 300. It right. would be like once every six hours. So four times a day, you could take a thousand milligrams. Right. And you would, uh, and typically like people take their pills, they're going to do their ibuprofen at the same time or whatever. Yeah. And one tactic you can do 
that can kind of help like lower the impact and like extend the benefits of it is to alternate and you do Tylenol two hours later you do your ibuprofen two hours later you do your Tylenol again you alternate back and forth instead of taking them together you take them spaced out so every two hours you're taking something but you're taking a different thing right right and it can like just lower that stomach impact. It can lower the, yeah, you know, and then it like, yeah, especially because ibuprofen has stomach bleeding effects that can be serious. And yeah, like I know there's people because, um, ibuprofen's an inset, right? And so basically, if you take too many insets throughout your life, by the time you get old, you, I don't know exactly what it is that happens, but you can get to the point where you can no longer take anymore. Oh, or it'll like, fuck you up or hurt you or kill you oh, or wow. something. I'm not sure. I'll have to ask my mom. She knows about it's it. It's horrible. Yeah. Like my mom cannot take insets now. Weird. Period. Huh. It's like on her list of drugs that they can't yeah, get. Yeah. 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 I, I can't imagine it does good stuff if you're at the point where you're not supposed to take it. Yeah. 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 So a whole other situation that I touched on briefly is this hangover to hospital pipeline. Taking a double dose of extra strength Tylenol for a hangover could be enough to put you in the ER. A long night of drinking described in this case that I was reading about as more than three beers can be too much if you're about to take acetaminophen. Those three beers can weaken the liver as it metabolizes the toxins in the alcohol. And then when you hit it with 1,500 milligrams of acetaminophen, you're screwed. And now there's a lot around that. There's a lot around that three beers, specifically when you took them, how long it's been, you know, because yeah, you're supposed to only drink one alcoholic unit per hour or whatever it is and yeah and let it let it get through your system but you know if you and i've seen people do this is you know you drink nine beers in a couple hours and then you're like oh crap i'm gonna have a hangover let me take three tylenol really fast that's enough to put you in the hospital yeah which is crazy yeah, yeah. like i've always been more of like a marathon not a race right kind of drinker yeah absolutely. you know what i mean so yeah. it's like I was just over at my buddy's house the other day and we were drinking beers. I think I drank three juicinesses in the entire time that I was there, but yeah. I got there at six 30 and I left that 10, yeah. 10 30 or something like yeah. that. And then I got home and then I drank a bunch of water and then I actually went to sleep at like one and I may have like taken a Tylenol and ibuprofen then cause it helps me sleep. Gotcha. And, but then in that case it was three beers from six to 1 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I drank yeah. water and that you know it what was, I mean. By so the time you laid down, it was probably all out of your system. Probably. I was just yeah. dehydrated. At right. Point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, scenarios where, and, and I've seen people do this, where like somebody, especially back in the day when like four loco was a thing. I mean, it's God, it's that still, shit was so dangerous. Just garbage, just garbage for your body. But it like now you like can go crap. get a four loco and it's essentially like a hard mics or something. Yeah. I think they've changed it completely, but yeah, it used to be, a 24 ounce can that was what was it 14% alcohol or something 14 or 18 or something yeah like somewhere that. in that range it was high yeah but somewhere in that range and like two of those plus a Tylenol is going to mess you up like an extra drink Tylenol yeah because I think I think it's something like 80 milligrams per day and, we, and I touch on this a little bit later but I, I think it's 80 milligrams per day is enough to like cause a problem you know 80 milligrams of acetaminophen of al- no of alcohol so, oh, okay. and, and a normal quote unquote normal beer has about 14 milligrams. So it's, you know, that could be an issue. So okay. I get, I get into that a little bit later. I crunch some numbers. All right. Um, so whether you call it acetaminophen, uh, which is what we call it in the United States and Japan or paracetamol, 
uh, which is what they call it in Europe and pretty much every other place on the planet. It's one of the most widely used pain relievers and one of the most used chemicals on the planet. Uh, it was first prepared by H.N. Morse in 1878, back when pharmacists were basically mad scientists mixing up shit for people to take, and like 20% of it was just cocaine. Today, it's most commonly called uh, Tylenol and Panadol in a lot of the other world. So if you're traveling abroad and you do need Tylenol and you're going to use it responsibly, they call it Panadol, not Tylenol. I had that problem in Norway. Oh, okay. But a large percentage of its sales are as a generic drug. So you get it as like Harris Teeter pain reliever or Kroger pain reliever, and it's acetaminophen in a bottle. Yeah, I think I have like CVS or Walgreens, exactly. yeah, cab, cab gel caps or some shit. Right, because right, there's no um, like it's not like it's COVID shot. There's not like a, a trademark on it right now. It's just now it's just yeah. Generic. Well, the patent period's way up. Yeah, yeah, because 1878, it's done. Yeah. Um. So anyways, acetaminophen was first marketed in the United States in 1950. That was when they first started marketing it under the trade name Triagesic, a combination of acetaminophen, aspirin, and caffeine, just like modern Excedrin. Yep, Excedrin I, migraine. Yeah, I used to take a ton of that when I was a kid because I used to have horrible migraines. Yeah, Rachel has bad migraines. She takes it. I would take it, and it was, and it was so good for migraines. That little bit of caffeine, I don't know what it was, but... I had two different pills. One was without the caffeine. One was the same thing with the caffeine. And for some reason, the stuff with the caffeine knocked it right out. It's because it's a, um, oh God, it's a vassal dilator. Is that what it is? Something yeah. Like that? Yeah. Yeah. Did, was that from Medicine Man with Sean Connery? They I don't climb know. up in the trees and they take the, was that cocaine? I think it was cocaine. I do have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you got to, okay. Another thing that I have to watch. Let's yeah. pause. We're going to watch Medicine Man, then we'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're not going to do that right now. Okay. okay I don't we'll do have it. time. <laughs> we'll do it later. We'll do it later. All right. Okay. So reports in 19, there were these reports in 1951 of users stricken with this blood disease called a granulocytosis, uh, which is not a good thing. And it basically wiped triagesic off the counters. It, it had, they had to pull everything. It would be like today if, there were all these reports of like people bleeding out of their eyeballs with the COVID vaccine. They would remove it off the counter. They would stop giving them, figure it out. And bring yeah, it, it was like the there were some bad side effects with the AstraZeneca COVID yeah, vaccine, and, and, and the they Johnson, pulled it. Johnson Johnson they paused it for for a, yeah, like, like the, week, I think maybe, the EU yeah. pulled the AZ one entirely yeah, yeah. or yeah. something. And the US still isn't using AstraZeneca, so yeah, yeah, it's that kind of situation where there's been these reports of possible things happening. And they determined that the um, the people who had those diseases, it wasn't connected to taking triagesic. So they put it back on the market. So in 1952, they brought it back to the U.S. as a prescription drug, so it was going behind the counter. Over in the U.K., marketing of acetaminophen began later in 1956 by this company called Sterling Winthrop as Panadol, uh, only available as a prescription and promoted as preferable to aspirin since it was safe for children and people with ulcers because aspirin can be bad. If you have severe ulcers, aspirin can be a problem Yeah, on the tum-tums. Right. And uh, in 1963, acetaminophen was added to the British Pharmacopoeia and has gained popularity since. That's like the drugs that are available in the UK. It's like the their Harry Potter wizard drug book. Yeah. It's their Encyclopedia Britannica of drugs. Essentially, yeah, because, you know, back in the day, like I was saying, is like the pharmacists used to actually mix the drugs before they put them out. They would just have like boxes of chemicals and they would make what you needed on the spot. Right. Instead, now it's just buckets of pills and they dish them out to you. Right. You know, back then, 
So in Britain, they had it all in the pharmacopoeia, which was like their recipe book of all the drugs. And it was this thing that the regular person couldn't get their hands on, but it was just like, you have gout, here's your cocaine. And they would just give you the cocaine. Right. Um, if you can't tell, I miss when pharmacists used to give people cocaine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old days. Yeah. So many billions of doses of acetaminophen and paracetamol are consumed each year. I mean, many, many billion doses. Scientists have yet to discover its mode of action, like how it really works. They don't know that. They just know it goes into your body and does stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Which is very crazy because you would think you'd want to know that. <laughs> but but no, they just like keep putting this out. Its mechanism was believed to have been established in this 1970 study that completely fell apart. And then later, uh, about 20 years ago in the 2000s, they had another study where they built this theory around it and thought that it was the exact way that it operated, but they were wrong. It just didn't work. Um, one of the biggest problems is that it's especially important to know and understand how these things work because of how bad it is for your liver. That's a, you know, they need to understand how that operates. Yeah. And they don't. The, uh, the FDA has known about the risk of acetaminophen for decades and decades. I mean, since their founding, it was one of the earliest things they looked at. Specifically, the problem is that there is a very slim margin between the amount that helps and the amount that will land you in the emergency room. You know, when you look at things like 2,000 versus 4,000, that's a very small amount. That's two pills. Right. And that can kill you, you know? Yeah. Um, and even a smaller amount if you have other outstanding liver problems. And it's not always like alcoholism and these other things that cause liver problems. There's all sorts of problems. And it's not just the FDA. The producers of acetaminophen are well aware of the very specific dangers around dosage as they've raked in billions and billions in sales of these drugs. Yet federal regulators have failed to adopt measures to reduce deaths and injuries from acetaminophen overdose, which the agency calls a persistent, important public health problem. So acknowledging this. And the numbers around this are, I think I mentioned before, 50,000 people a year go into the ER and 500 people die every year. Um, to put it in comparison, there's 50,000 car crashes a year. You know, so there's, you know, that's out there also. Yeah. So um, the FDA has repeatedly deferred decisions on consumer protections, even when they were endorsed by the agency's own advisory committees. And keep in mind that what they're deferring this to is the, is the companies that make all their money off of selling this stuff. So they're saying acetaminophen producer, you decide what is the best thing to do about this. That's seems like the opposite of what is good. <laughs> right, right. The opposite of a regulatory thing. Right. Yeah. So back in 1977, a panel of experts put together by the FDA issued some strongly worded warnings to the makers of acetaminophen saying that they, and they actually wrote this in caps lock, must add a warning to the acetaminophen labels that read may cause severe liver damage. And after some internal debate, the FDA decided it did want to issue that warning as part of a broader review to set safety rules for acetaminophen, which 43 years later, they have not enacted. That's nuts. So they said they want to do it, but 43 years later, they haven't handed that order over to anyone. They've just been saying like, we are totally going to send this note to those guys. And they never did. But yeah, but then they're like standing there in front of their door, like with the envelope <laughs> in their hands, they just start shaking and they're like, 
Oh fuck! I'm gonna go home and think about this one more. Yeah. But tomorrow we're gonna send. We're it. gonna do it tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> but no. Forty three years have passed since they decided that, and wow. pretty much every year they they kind of double down and say we really want to do this, and they never do. But it's like public documents that these are written in. That's ridiculous to me. Like forty three years they've been saying they wanted to do this, but and this is just me complaining and ranting a little bit, but it took them like five years to basically cripple the e-cigarette industry and basically make them have to Did like it take that long warning label themselves <laughs> to death. Yeah. 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 It was I mean, really fast. Yeah, of course. I mean, cause I think, and this should have gotten that too, but I think with the e-cigarette thing, it was like, Oh no kids, it looks like a pink unicorn and they're going to be affected. I kind of think there's a little conspiracy here that it's the big tobacco actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can it's see that big tobacco it. and lobbyists and paying government to try and come back and crush this like upstart industry. Cause it's taking margin dollars away from big tobacco companies and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I feel like that's probably the more likely scenario, right? I mean, cause look, the FDA won't pass down. They won't hand a note to these drug makers that says, can you please write this on these bottles? but they're really concerned about a label looking like a pink unicorn. Right. And then, I mean, there's if you know uh, that poon sauce McNasty guy who we've yeah. talked about before, Friend of the um, show. if you're ever concerned about stuff like um, labeling, yeah, you know, and stuff like that where it's like like, and that's basically the issue with the e-cigarette thing. It's like, oh, this has right. unicorns and yeah. it, it looks like children's cereal art and shit like that. Beer yeah. and liquor has that same shit. Yeah, I've heard a couple of reviews it. he's done where he's gone he's gone to the mats with a couple of producers talking about that. Yeah. 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 yeah, they're just really not into that kind of like child appealing labeling and stuff right, like that. Right. But all of that kind of came out of this fight for e-cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. But I I expect yes, the reality is it's probably big tobacco putting some money into that. Probably. As their industry dies, they're probably fighting for every penny they can get. Sure. You know, yeah. So well, they're not dying. They're a multi billion dollar industry. True. And I'm sure I'm sure Marlboro probably has its own e cigarette empire that they're doing. Yeah, RJ Reynolds. Yeah. 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 They probably own Jewel or something. Like they probably They do. Oh, they went yeah. through and they start I think I can't remember who bought Jewel, but um I think RJR went back and bought a couple of the uh pods and then they turned around and said yeah. they're not gonna make fl- the juice flavors and and like <laughs> fruit flavors and stuff. They're yeah. only going to make menthol and tobacco flavors. And then the FDA turned around and went, oh yeah, we're going to make that a, a rule. <laughs> it's uh, It's been so stupid. And, and I anyway. think menthol is out now. I think they're outlawing menthol cigarettes. Yeah, because the menthol that they use in cigarettes and stuff, we're getting off topic, but yeah, the menthol that they use in cigarettes is not real. It's no, it's m- like fiberglass or something, right? It's um, like burns your lungs. (laughs) So no, it's not fiberglass, but it's not real mint either. It's not actual menthol. It's a synthetic kind of menthol that they make from this like atom splitting process where they basically like send atoms up this giant tube and then they like come shooting back down. And when they like hit other molecules, they split apart into these like fake (laughs) some other kind of molecule and that That weird molecule just happens to taste like menthol. Wow. And that's what they use. It's it's very fucked up and weird. It's wild. Yeah. You know, they're doing that same thing with apples. Apples (laughs) like like apples and peaches. They're They're just like, yeah, this is a regular apple. This is like an Adam apple and that's why this one tastes better. You know, it's yeah. I don't know. 
So anyways, a, a, about a dozen years ago, uh, another FDA panel backed a sweeping new set of proposals to bolster the safety of over-the-counter acetaminophen. But once again, the agency hasn't implemented them at all. And back in 2013, the FDA blew through another deadline. And once again, nothing changed. They didn't hand the note over to the people that they were nervous about doing it to. And it's on and on and on. But regulators in other developed countries from Great Britain to Switzerland to New Zealand have limited how much acetaminophen consumers can buy at one time or required it to be sold only by pharmacies. Sort of the way you get Sudafed now because you can like jack up Sudafed and make meth. Yep. So they limit what you can go get. You know, yeah. you, you can't go to Target and buy five things of Sudafed. Nope. Yeah. So you can only buy one at a time. You have to see, you have to, you have to show them their ID. They make a copy of it. Yeah. They have to write you in this special acetaminophen or um, yeah. Sudafed book. And that goes to the FDA or whoever, you know. Yeah. And they have to, they do. They surrender it back to the yeah. FDA. Yeah. And so they do that with acetaminophen in like a lot of other countries now. Yeah. You know, and if you went and you tried to buy enough acetaminophen at once to kill you, they would say no. Wow. That's so you're like a drug pill, please. (laughs) When you're in like normal, you have to go to the pharmacy every day to get your drug pill, please. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you just start taking your leave at that point, like switch it up, you know? Yeah. You just take something else. Yeah. Uh, But you know, the FDA has not done this in the United States at all. Instead, it continues to debate basic safety questions such as what is the actual maximum dosage for a day and what should it be? So 43 years later, they're still having this conversation. Yeah, like I feel like with the implications we're learning about now with acetaminophen, there yeah. should be like, because like some, you know, prescription drugs, they come with a pamphlet. Yeah. It's literally yeah. like a book that gets rolled oh, up yeah. into a tiny square and gets... yeah. You know, glued and you open to your the drugs side and it of the pops bottom. up in your face. Yeah, or they're glued <laughs> to the side of the bottle, and you got to pull it off and like read it and stuff. And I feel like on that there should be a grid where it literally says like, based on your height and weight yeah. and gender. Yeah, here's how much you can take. And then I could go down there and like highlight the little square that's my height and weight and gender. And then, or you know because I mean? it's a pharmacy and it's a custom give for every person that gets the pharmacy, they should pre-highlight where you're walking into the danger zone, you know, or well, I guess at this point they could just print you off a little sheet of paper. Yeah, which which they do a lot of times. I know whenever I get medication that comes with like a a CVS receipt full of of warnings. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, so FDA officials said the agency saw the benefits of keeping acetaminophen widely available as outweighing the quote relatively rare risk of liver damage of death. just touch on that again. What we said before, it's 50,000 people a year end up in the ER with the liver damage. Some patients cannot tolerate drugs such as ibuprofen because uh, of the tum-tum issues. And for them, acetaminophen may be the best option. And that's totally true. I mean, there are people who cannot stomach these other drugs. Um, for some people, uh, there's a reason you can't take Advil. I think it has bad interactions with some other medications. Ibuprofen, again, stomach bleeding, ulcer issues all that stuff. Yeah. I, I think Advil and ibuprofen are the same. I think Advil is naproxen sodium, which is different. No, that's a uh, naproxen. No, it's a leave. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. A leave. Yeah. A leave is what I take because I stay away from everything else. I only take a leave. Yeah. Because then naproxen sodium. Yeah. Yeah. But you can take, you have to take way less a leave. Like in the number of pills, it's only right. like four a day. Yeah. It's yeah. not like Tylenol where you can take eight. Yeah. A, a leave you could take higher, like, off-label higher doses. I don't know. Yeah. I, I try not to take it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. McNeil, one of the largest makers of acetaminophen in the form of Tylenol, has taken steps to protect consumers, most notably by helping to fund the development of an antidote to acetaminophen poisoning that has saved many lives. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So well, um, good on them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a real thing. Like it, they keep it in ERs and all that stuff and it helps your liver. Um, but over more than three decades, the company repeatedly fought against any type of safety warnings, dosage restrictions, or any other measures meant to safeguard users of the drug. According to company memos, court records, documents, and all of this stuff obtained under a Freedom of Information Act a few years ago. So they found that basically while they were developing this antidote, which is a really great thing and you know, good on them for doing this at the same time, they were fighting in the background to put on any picture of any warning. It's kind of like going back to the tobacco industry where no, we don't want to put, you know, in Europe, if you get a pack of cigarettes, there's a picture of black lungs huge on the pack of cigarettes. There's like a giant skull and crossbones. Yeah. And yeah. They're yeah. like, if you smoke one of these, you're fucked. And yeah. Like, like you can only buy the red cigarettes or the blue cigarettes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, they have skulls all over them. There's like no labels. Yeah. yeah. In the US, it's just like there's like a little thing at the bottom, like 10 point type. Actually, it's a lot bigger now. Yeah. Because um, they rolled cigarettes into the e-cigarette thing. So now yeah. it has to be this like it has to be a certain size and it has yeah. to be a certain font and size. And when I was a kid, it was like size 10. 10 font. It just said like it was on the size. It, yeah, it was on the side. It was, it was like, like a little perhaps tiny thing. something could occur if you happen to smoke one of these like, like four point font on yeah, the side of the. Yeah. yeah. Um. So in the 90s, McNeil tried to create a safer version of acetaminophen, uh, an effort they dubbed Project Protect. So they went through the process of like trying to figure out how can we have acetaminophen that operates, gives you pain relief, doesn't fuck your liver, and doesn't mess up your stomach the way ibuprofen does. So after the initiative failed, though, the company kept its experiments completely confidential. They went so far as to not even show any of their documented failures to the FDA, which would have helped the FDA, who has long been trying to develop a a safer acetaminophen. Yeah. So essentially, you know, if you're trying to develop something and there's somebody next to you who's trying to develop something and the person next to you can hand you a list and say, here's all the ways I failed. That would help you immensely you right? Know, to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. But, but they didn't, they just hit it and claimed that they were never actually doing that. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, that should be a crime. Like people should go to jail for that. You know? Yeah. Um, later McNeil opposed even a modest government campaign to educate the public about acetaminophen's risks in part because it would harm on all sales, obviously. All the while, it's marked Tylenol as the safe drug. Tylenol was the pain reliever, quote, hospitals use most, one iconic said, one iconic ad said. The one, quote, recommended by pediatricians, and another one said, quote, safe, fast pain relief, uh, as all of its packages promised. So the question is, what is actually too much of acetaminophen when it gets down to brass tacks? Like, how much can you take? Right. And there's been a lot of signs on this. So the FDA sets the maximum recommended daily dose of acetaminophen at four grams, 4,000 milligrams, or eight extra strength acetaminophen tablets. That maximum applies to both over-the-counter and prescription drugs with acetaminophen. Taken over several days, as little as 25% above the maximum daily dose or just two additional extra strength pills a day has been reported to cause liver damage, according to the agency. Taken all at once, a little less than four times the maximum daily dose 
can cause death suddenly. A comparable figure does not exist for ibuprofen because almost no people have died from overdosing on ibuprofen comparatively. Yeah, it just fucks up your tum-tum. Right. I mean, you get a bleeding ulcer, but you don't die, you know? Yeah, you stop taking it for a while. You get some probiotics. Yeah, yeah. Fix it back up. Yeah. Uh, mother, Not mother's milk. What do they call that stuff? Milk of magnesia. Milk of magnesia, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking Pepto-Bismol, but that has Tylenol in it, so. Does it really? Yeah. Oh, I, I take that. I didn't know it. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure. I don't take it that often. I have stomach issues, so I take it once in a while. I have never taken Pepto-Bismol. Oh, sorry. it's just not a thing that I've ever really oh, done. I, I grew up with ulcers, so. Oh, okay. Sorry. So it happens. That was <laughs> <laughs> the best of us. Sure. About as many Americans take ibuprofen as take acetaminophen. It's pretty much 50-50, according to the consumer surveys from the mid-2000s. In 2010, only 15 deaths were reported for the entire class of pain relievers, both prescription and over-the-counter, that include ibuprofen, uh, data from the CDC showed. That same year, uh, in 2010, 321 people died from acetaminophen, uh, according to the same CDC documents. More than half, 166, were accidental overdoses. So there were about half of those deaths were intentional. So there is a thing where like young people take uh, just a ton of acetaminophen knowing it'll kill them. Yeah, suicide, basically. Yeah, I highly do not recommend. It is a horrible way to die. Yeah. A liver failure is just one of those like laying on the ground, writhing in pain, dying thing, and you do not. Yeah, you have seizures, you're throwing up. You're, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you're suicidal and in a bad place, that's not going to help it anymore. And yeah, I mean, you that. basically poison yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the, it's kind of like uh, the guy who got shot in the stomach at Reservoir Dogs at the end where he's just riding oh, around. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what that looks like and feels like. You know? Yeah. It's nothing you want. For the decade of 2001 through 2010, uh, 1,567 people died from acetaminophen. So over 10 years. Acetaminophen overdose sends as many as 78,000 Americans to the emergency room annually, can result in 33,000 hospitalizations a year, and acetaminophen is also the nation's leading cause of liver failure. Period. Above alcoholism. Way above alcoholism. Wow, that's crazy. Like light speed notches above alcoholism. Um, so way more than booze. The impact of alcohol on liver health varies from person to person, obviously. But people are generally at risk for severe alcoholic hepatitis when they drink 80 grams of alcohol a day for five years straight. Wow. Okay, so, that's way more than where I'm at. I'm over here being like, bro, do I need to like <laughs> stop drinking the beer? Like, do I need to go I throw saw you my grab your water? You're like, do I need to go like throw my Tylenol <laughs> bottles out? And I'm just like, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Okay, if, if you're being safe, I think the caveat I think we have to put in here. Is I'm gonna break down some exact numbers here in a second. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. Okay, it'll make you feel better. Okay. Okay. All so, right. in the United States, one quote unquote standard drink contains 14 grams of pure alcohol which is found in one 12 ounce beer, which is roughly 5% alcohol, five ounces of wine, uh, which can be about 12% to, I don't know, 16%, whatever they do with wine, whatever that's all about. One and a half ounces of distilled spirits, which is about 40% alcohol, depending on which one of them you're having a shot of. Yeah, so 80 proof ish-ish. Yeah, ish-ish. Yeah. So John and I usually drink beers on the heavier side. 
So let's say we are getting a, let's talk about a sycamore. A seven and a half for seven percent juiciness, seven eight percent juiciness, seven point five. Okay, is it? Is that what juiciness? It's something like that's like seven point four or something. Seven point four. Okay, yeah. Um, assuming that we don't drink any other time aside from when we're recording, which I I don't know if you drink outside of recording, but I do not. I definitely do. Oh, okay, never mind. This doesn't apply to you. (laughs) So just just for just for fun numbers' sake, let's say that we only drink when we record. Okay, and every time we record, we drink one juiciness. Okay, so that would be four. Uh, yeah, assuming we don't drink any other time, that'd be four podcasts worth of beer per day for five years. So that would be seventy three hundred episodes of Brewluminati consumed straight through before our livers fail. Holy crap! That's a lot of beer. That's a lot. Yeah, because so I think I may drink two or three days a week, and I may sure. have two or three. Some days it's one. Some days it's two or three. Sometimes it's one 12 ounce. And the hard thing here is like, maybe it's a Dr. Dank. That's a 12 ounce. Maybe sure. it's a juiciness. That's a 16 ounce. Yeah. But you know, one or two beers and that's not going to hurt you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's obviously there's a ton of other, right. not a ton, but there's other ideas of like calories consumed and, and all these other things, blah, 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 blah. There's all this other stuff that we're, we don't need to talk to you about that because you're adults. You can go out and find that. Yeah. What we're talking to you about is this, like the danger of liver failure and alcohol compared to acetaminophen. You know, what's silly to me. What's that? I think some doctor told me one time they were like seven drinks or more per week is considered alcoholic. Possible. Maybe. And I, I was like, yeah, I think I've no, I, read I that. think that's, <laughs> I think, I think you're thinking seven or more a day <laughs> every day. Yeah. Cause I had a roommate like that when I was in college. I had a roommate in college that drank around 20 to 30 beers a day. Yeah. That's, that's more what I'm talking about. Like this yeah. dude would come home with like a case of beer every yeah. day. And that dude's fine. He's a realtor now. Wow. And he's doing okay. <laughs> I mean, not that realtor is like this thing to a, ascribe to. I mean, realtors are fine. Yeah. But like that's, that's what he's doing now. He's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's crazy. There's, there's this like, and every individual person, you and I could each sit down and you and I could each individually drink a bottle of Jack and all the way to the bottom and our bodies would react differently to it because yeah, sure. obviously we have different histories of drinking. We have different histories with these other issues. Your liver may just be stronger than mine. Yeah. My liver may be stronger than yours. Who knows? You may drink a lot more water than me. I do drink a lot more water than you. You do. Yeah. I mean, so and, it's like, and who knows? That yeah. may be a big thing. So it's like you know? I'm younger than you. I think yeah. The, yeah, I can probably, I don't yeah. mean this in a bad way, but I can probably make a fairly safe assumption that I've probably drank less. Possibly. Probably. Maybe. I probably. guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm 10 I'm years old. I'm making a big you. assumption though, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I if was I in took a fraternity, the, the amount though. of beers that I drank for the last 10 years and removed that, yes, you have definitely drank less than me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah easily, easily. Yeah. There um, were some dark times in there, a little bit of sure, dark Sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, there's so many factors, you know what I mean? Genetics, how much water yeah. you are drinking. Do you drink water before you drink? Do you drink right. water after you drink? During. What's yeah. your, yeah, during. What's your height, body weight, yeah. uh, gender? I've always been a one beer, one water guy, like throughout my whole life. Yeah, I've never been that. If I'm drinking, I'm drinking, and when I'm done, then I drink like forty ounces of water before I uh, go to sleep. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty consistent with that stuff. I'm a, I'm a water throughout kind of guy. Yeah. Alternator. 
yeah. should probably start doing that. When I make a cooler, if I have three like juicinesses in there, I need to have like three waters in there too. Yeah. And then alternate. You should get those little balls of water that are like little membranes. You just suck it in your mouth and they pop in your mouth. What is this? Have you got it's I don't know the Japanese made it. It's like just this like gooey gumball of water and it's 12 ounces of water and it might have like uh, electrolytes in it or something. And then you just take it and you go like and you suck it into your mouth and swallow it and it's like a serving of water. Holy shit. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Yeah. I think I I've that. seen it for sale like it like at Whole Foods. You see some, you buy me some because I'll, I'll buy some. Now. I'll, I'll get some. I'll, we'll do I'll a water some. episode. I'm really <laughs> just okay. So this is double filter by trade through like yeah. pH balance six four, <laughs> which yeah, so. I was just thinking earlier today as I was standing in front of my fridge. I basically only drink filtered water now because fluoride makes you more susceptible to mind control. It's true, and also, but if the end of the world comes. You're not going to enjoy how much iodine you're going to have to drink mixed with water. Oh yeah, that's true. Too. That's going to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to taste good. Mm-mm. But the world will be ending. You just take iodine tabs. Yeah, like they take when you're in a radiation zone. Yeah, you'll be distracted anyways. Like yeah, fighting the mutants. It'll be that. fine. All right. Anyways, so that's what it. So what did we figure? It would take seventy three hundred episodes of Bruluminati straight to trash your liver. Now for acetaminophen to trash your liver. All you need is eight to 10 extra strength Tylenol pills. And that will kill you just right off the bat. Yeah. Just if you put 10 extra strength tunnels in your hand right now and took them, you would die. Wow. I mean, and that's a healthy person and look at you. Yeah. Instant, <laughs> instant liver failure. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. And so I don't know about you, but also if you look at like how many Tylenols are in a bottle, I mean, the last bottle I bought was 40 capsules or something. Oh, I get the big ones. It's like 500. Five, oh, okay, even more. Five, that's like, it's like that's 500, like, 500 milligram tabs. Like 50 people could, if you just lined up 50 people, you could kill them with that bottle. Wow. And it's just like in your bathroom. Yeah. Just doing its thing. Sure is. And true, like we've also got like, a gun full of bullets and that will kill 50 people and a knife and that'll stab stabby stabby people, you know, whatever. For and sure. like a dog that could bite people. Yes. These are dangers that exist in day to day society, but yeah. that is a very compact, scary thing that like 50 people could die from your Costco bottle of aspirin or tunnel. Yeah. It's crazy. I'd never thought about it like that ever before in my life. Yeah. And so when my best friend died from all of this, I took an entirely new look at this and like had a completely new understanding. I actually haven't, I think I accidentally took a seat of once between when he died and now, but I haven't taken any since he died. Well, wow, that's awesome. It's I completely, it's not like it's like, like, yay, hand clap to me. It's like, but it's like, it's, it scares me. It terrifies me, you know? Yeah. Well, I had gotten off of Tylenol and Aleve for, or an ibuprofen for a long yeah. time and gone over to Aleve. Maybe I'll go back. Yeah. I mean, I was perfectly good on a leave for a while and I kind of stopped taking everything for a while. Yeah. I it was too. doing more stretching and just drinking a lot of water and stuff and it helped. Yeah. Um, but I also enjoy beer. Uh, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy talking about beer. Uh, the internet and news sites are completely riddled with stories like what happened to my friend. And uh, here's just one from uh, an organization called ProPublica. 
And I'm just going to read this a little bit. And it said, just before Christmas 1999, 12-year-old Davy Bommel came down with a sore throat. For a week, his parents, David and Dosho Bommel, gave him maximum strength Tylenol sore throat, carefully measuring out each dose of the thick syrup throughout the day. But instead of getting better, Davy became listless. And on Christmas Day, he started throwing up blood. His father took him to a local emergency room wrapped in a fuzzy brown blanket, and a few days later, he was declared completely brain dead. Holy shit. The Balmers later sued McNeil, claiming the company had failed to warn consumers of its product's lethal danger. At the trial, they testified they, they never gave Davy more than the recommended dosage of four grams per day, or eight tablespoons. An expert for McNeil, the company that makes Tylenol, testified that lab work on the boy's dead body showed that he was drinking closer to six grams over several days. Uh, that's basically two teaspoons extra per spread throughout the day. Yeah. So think about when you're taking those little, the cap top that comes on top of the town hall PM or whatever. Yeah. The amount extra that he was getting per day is two dashes. And that's the extra amount that they gave him every day. And that's what killed him. Holy fuck. Yeah. So uh, the father said that he would never have given his son the drug if he knew it was potentially lethal as I mean, obviously none of us would give our children something like this if we knew it was that lethal. Yeah, for sure. Um, And at the time, the label simply warned of this is also 1999. The label has changed since then. But in 1999, the label said serious health consequences may occur with an overdose. And so if you know you're a father giving your son medicine, you're not thinking like, well, overdose. Like what's an overdose? Probably a junkie drinking the whole bottle. Whatever. Sure, yeah. And so you don't think about it. And the father said in a in a news um interview a couple of years later, he said, they tell you it's medicine, but they don't tell you it can kill you. Yep. So uh, and that's exactly what happened to my best friend. His liver was already kind of fucked up and he'd already taken a hefty dose of Tylenol and the few random pills he was handed in this Honduran clinic were enough to kill him, you know, and that happens over and over and over again. And at least once a day in the United States, sometimes twice a day, someone accidentally takes a little bit extra of Tylenol or Mucinex or Robitussin or one of those things and any over the counter drug uh, containing acetaminophen and they wind up in the ER with liver failure and a lot of times die. Yeah. And it's just, it's a really scary thing that there's this basic thing that like our moms gave us that sits in our cabinet that as adults, there's a couple of them in there. If we take too many, it can kill us, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. I don't know. And not many things scare me. Uh, you know, the uh, the ocean off the coast of Iceland is one of the most terrifying things to me. Yeah, and bottles of acetaminophen are very terrifying to me. Yeah, you know, I mean, pharmaceuticals in general are pretty scary. Like this yeah. is just another reason on the giant pile of why we need to be doing marijuana research and Delta Eight research Absolutely. and stuff like yeah. that. Like, yeah, how many people have died from that? Yeah, None. zero. Yeah, yeah, ever. I I would love to hear the uh, shed time guys is. Uh, kind of kind of take on this you, you on know? this we should reach out to him yeah I, I'd love to talk to him about this stuff but it's you know it's such a crazy thing that I don't know I feel like more people and and I feel like one of those guys who's like on crazy pills when I talk to people and I'm just like 
how much of that are you taking? You okay? Why are you taking that much? You know, because yeah, literally anything else you do during the day can set you over that limit mark. And right. if not, who knows what damage it's doing down the road? Because, sure. you know, they were giving their son consistently for a few days and that's what it was. It was the buildup of taking it every few days is what killed him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I got about uh, about acetaminophen. Just be careful. Dang. Yeah. Watch your limits. You know, drink what you want, but like watch where you're taking. Yeah, so. for sure. Worst case, don't take that. Just yeah. drink some water. Yeah. I've been, I've been told uh, by doctors that if you are super hungover, uh, aspirin is probably the way to go unless you have stomach ulcers. Okay. So yeah, that's good so to you know that. Too. Yeah. So this has been our uh, after school special episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, promise they're not all going to be this depressing and about friends dying and things. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this is a pretty serious episode and, and it was good that we dove into it. Yeah. I Hopefully agree. we're not going to get sued by Tomo. Uh, probably not. Yeah, they don't care. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> thanks for joining us for another episode of Illuminati, and we will see you again next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Brew Illuminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Illuminati Podcast for behind the scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash brewluminati podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brewluminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will, because again, mind control is real. Thank you.